The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. A new women's football season is underway. Befica's Inspiradores are off to a good start. Five unbeaten to start the season. I'm going to talk about those five matches here today. And we're going to look ahead to what Benfica has waiting for them on the other side of this international break. I'm going to talk about that here on episode 170 of Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and episode 170 starts right now. Vamos! Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica Inspiradores Edition from my little corner of the world here on the east coast of the United States of America going all around the world wherever you may be listening from, from Australia to Macau to Angola. Shout out to Angola by the way, Mr. Benfica was in the top 100 podcasts, soccer podcasts in Angola for over a month and I hardly put out any content that month. Shout out to my listeners in Angola. Any of you that might be listening, please drop me a hello in my DMs, all right? I'd love to hear from, from y'all. Uh, thank you so much for for listening, for downloading. Uh, today we're talking about probably my favorite topic of discussion on this podcast. Over the life of this podcast now in Season 6, it, my favorite episodes have almost all been the women's football episodes. There's something about this team. There's something about this story that just captivates me and that makes me want to talk about it, that makes me want to share my feelings about it with everybody that wants to listen. The Inspiradores have gotten off to another good start here in 2023-2024. We're five matches in. They came fast and they came furious. But... uh the girls held, the girls handled it i have to say they 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 did their thing it was a little nervy there at first uh we did have some tough matches in there i have to give credit to both sporting braga and to sporting for giving us a very competitive matches um 
it's not going to be a cakewalk in the Liga BPI this season, in my opinion. I think this is going to be a more competitive season than what we saw last last year in terms of the table. And I think that the the teams, those two teams particularly, are more up for the challenge this year. And I think they pose a greater threat. Um, as we talked about the last time that we talked women's football, uh, huge, huge pieces of this team have left. Chloe Lacasse now at Arsenal on a victoria at PSG. Um but what we're learning after five matches is that some really good pieces have come in as well. So it's going to be interesting to see and watch this this group mold and grow into a team once again. And I have to say that while watching these matches, I'm much more likely, as you probably know, to be live tweeting or to be discussing matches on the fly uh, for the women's matches more so than for the men's matches. The reason is, well, they're less accessible, first of all. Not everybody... Uh, who's interested has access to see them. Okay, you got to have Canal Ons, or if if they're at home, you can watch on BTV. Um, you have an occasional match somewhere else. But when I do have access to it, I do I do like to live tweet, especially when the match falls. You know, in a certain part of the day where I'm at my desk working, and to my left I have my iPad showing you know showing the match, and I got my cell phone in my hand, and it's easy to to interact with people during the match. And uh, well. These these five matches were were if they felt like a preseason. I'm gonna be honest. These felt like a preseason, especially the first four. Uh, the Liga VPI now underway as well as we played around one this past weekend before going on the international break that the girls are on now. Not much of a break. <laughs> a large number of our players are away on national team duty. A shout out to the ones on Portugal, obviously. Uh, especially, I should say, they're gonna play today at the time of recording. Uh, they're gonna play in a couple hours against. The mighty France against one of the best teams in the world in the UEFA Women's Nations League, if I'm not mistaken. They play at uh, 8-10 Portuguese time tonight in in France. So a uh, big shout to them right now. I, I will be I will be watching. It, it looks like the match is on RTP1. And I'm going to use my trusty VPN and then log into the RTP Play app from a server in Portugal. Uh, this is... I probably shouldn't be saying this on the pod, but I, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to watch it on RTP1. And, um, yeah, I'm going to be rooting for them, of course. I'm going to be rooting for the Navigadores. But this today is about the Inspiradores. This is about Benfica. And this is about the five matches that open this season, okay? We start in the Women's Super Cup. And I, I, I want to get this out of the way right off the top because there's been a lot of discussion about this on the interwebs of, uh, amongst, you know, the followers of this team. And I have to say that the gro- the number of people interested in this women's team and the number of people talking about this w- women's team and, you know, engaging in regards to this women's has grown exponentially in the five years that they have, they've been in existence. I have to say, I used to watch these matches and one or two people would respond to, to tweets or would, would message me. Um, now, now there's, there's a, there's a good, you know, double-digit number of people regularly that I'm interacting with during these matches. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people watching it, and I even think it's a good thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of contestation, if that's the right word. There's a lot of uh, not-so-positive um, opinion out there about the manager, Philippe Patel. And while I don't necessarily 
agree with a lot of the criticisms. I think it's great that people are investing the time and are giving these criticisms. It means they care. It means they're watching. It means they want this team to continue to grow and to continue to get better, as I do. So even when it's it's criticisms like that, I mean, again, five years ago, nobody the the criticisms were were just you know were just antiquated sexist remarks for the most part um now there are real legitimate criticisms being made of players of coaches they're being treated like the team they are they're being treated like a professional top level team and i think that is only good things for for the game for the growth of the game and for the growth of this particular team within the club as it continues to 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 shine and continues to grow and continues to take what is theirs this this group of players continues to take what it's theirs and I like that. And what you are going to see here is in these five games, there's also some signs of, of a future as well. It's not just about the present with this Benfica women's team. So without any further ado, let's get into it, right? Let's get into the first match of the season. Saturday, September the 2nd. Seychelles is the location. Worth saying, this is the home now. Seychelles is home this season, okay? So there'll be no more Tapadinha, no more Cava de Piedad. Uh, no more living, as they say, with their with their home in a backpack, essentially. as they say in Portugal for this team, they're gonna be they're gonna be based at the Seychelles. They're gonna play at the Seychelles, and hopefully a couple of times at the very minimum in the Stadio de Luz as well. So it's Benfica taking on Braga, semifinals of the Super Cup, and I think I was just about to mention this because there's been a lot of people confused about how a Super Cup has semifinals, and again, it is funny. When talking about Portugal and Portuguese people and Portuguese football fans in particular, uh, typically very, pers- uh, very progressive thinking people, very um, forward thinking, and it's a, that's a fine, that's a good thing. However, it is funny that they get stumped. There's there's still a traditional element to so many people that they just get stumped at the at the sheer thought of a Super Cup not being the champion against the cup winner. Uh, this exists for a good reason. Okay, this Final Four format, in my opinion, exists for a good reason. Okay, yes, it's not the Super Cup we're we're used to. I get that. However, with the level of competition, what it is in the Liga BPI and in in Portuguese women's football, it's growing. It's 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 coming up, but it's nowhere near, you know, a, the level of a La Liga Femenil or or the Women's Super League in England or the Women's Bundesliga. Not even close, right? It's it's not there. What this does, this is a great opportunity for the top teams to get to get extra matches, tough matches, especially now because I don't know what kind of, I'm going to be honest with you all, I don't know what kind of preseason these teams had, especially coming off of a World Cup. Um, judging by this first match against Braga, it didn't look like there was really much of a preseason at all. This looked very much like it was a preseason match, one of the first ones you see when a team takes to the pitch. Now, I'm sure they played a couple of training matches, but the quality of the opposition I can't imagine it was very high if they did play those matches. And if they did, they were closed door and there was no reporting on it. The, cl- the club doesn't even promote preseason matches if they or even training matches if they happen. It's a complete vacuum of information. There is nothing out there about Benfica women's preseason football. So, again, you come into this not knowing what to expect. I was a little surprised by by the start, uh, a couple things in the starting lineup. I was surprised... Um, Lena Powell's, I, sorry, Lena Powell's, I think is how you pronounce her name, German goalkeeper who came in the offseason is 
is wearing the number one jersey and she's the starting goalkeeper over Ruth Koshla. Uh, it looks like that decision was made because she has started all five matches. That's one thing I, was, I wasn't I uh, was aware of. Uh, you got Marta Sintra still somehow starting. Uh, I, I don't want to be another another voice just uh, crashing down on Marta Sintra. But she she has been here for a couple of years now, and her levels have not imp- have not raised. She's not raised her game. I really don't think she's at the level of this team. And this is one of, I usually do not like to hear this criticism from fans, but I think it's fair after three or four seasons to say that about a player. It's not fair when they first arrive and they're adapting. Uh, and I do believe that those kind of arguments take away the ability of a coaching staff to coach players up to a certain level and to allow players to evolve to a certain level. Marta Sintra is not one of those players. I mean, you look down the roster and you've seen players that started from, you know, the periphery of the team and became instrumental. I'm looking at Katarina Madu, who who sat behind a Brazil international at one time and, and ended up beating her out for a spot. And Ana Saisa, same story. Uh, Carol Kosha has been, been a locked-in starter from the moment she arrived. Lucia Alves had to be converted into a from a forward into a left back. Now she's back at, at, at as a as a attacking midfielder as a winger at times. Uh not really sure where that came where that idea came from. It looked like Felipe Patão was taking her cues from the manager the national team manager Francisco Neto uh, because he did that with Lucia in the World Cup. We saw her line up not in her normal position or the position, you know, she had adapted herself very well to over the course of the last 3 seasons. And uh, now playing further up the pitch, and he even had her playing on the right. She's a right-footed player, so he and he had her playing on the right side of the pitch and not the left. And and this this match, they come out, and she's playing. She's not playing in that back three where we saw her last year. And I guess this does allow her to get forward more, but still, uh, very very different look uh, for Lucia Alves here um, as the just. And also, Katarina Madu, I should say, also a change there that surprises me, where uh, you turn on this match, and she's now playing as a left back, which also is where she played at the World Cup, which had me having a small aneurysm when I was watching this, screaming at the television at 3 o'clock in the morning during the World Cup when I see her come out and play as a, as a left back while, you know, Joana Marchand was on the bench that day and while... Um, Anna Borges was playing right back for whatever reason because she played there 10 years ago or whatever. But, um, yeah, my frustration with the national team manager can <laughs> spills over into the Benfica here because she's she's taking some cues from him. It looks like Katarina now at left back with Lucia playing uh, as like a right-sided, uh, a right-sided midfielder, if you, if you want to call it that. Um, we're used to seeing Benfica go to three at the back. And last year, we saw a lot of times it was Lucia who tucked in as that third center back. But now, that is not really the case. So, again, the season is early. And per- and this felt very much like a preseason match in that regard. Also, on this lineup, players, like I said, who have grown and who have who have evolved. you got to talk about Andrea Faria. She's, she's on the comeback now, Andrea Great start to the season for her. We saw her kind of tail off last season, almost disappear into the background. But uh, she she looks very, very strong at the start of the season here. But for Marta Sintra, um, it is surprising to me that she is starting when you have an Andrea Falcone on the bench. And, you know, you have uh, uh, 
a Beatriz Nogueira coming up through the ranks, uh, better known as Bibakish. And there's someone who's not even on the team sheet for this first match who's going to make a name for herself in a, in a little bit when we talk about the Champions League prelim matches. Okay, uh, enough with that. Let's get to Benfica versus Braga. Like I said, starting 11-4, I'll start with Braga. In goal is Patricia Moraes. And it was another one of those days where we just saw her uh, have just stand on her head against Benfica here. She seems extra motivated when she plays against Benfica. And she had herself a f- fantastic uh, 90 minutes here. Don't let the 3-3 goal line fool you. Uh, if not for Patricia Moraes, this was a 6-3, 7-3 win for Benfica. Uh, also, playing for uh, Braga here, the rest of their 11, Melissa ha- Hazenbegovic, the Bosnian, Leah Lewis, an American, Carolyn Baldwin, another American, the captain for Braga and uh, the captain for the Portuguese national team as well. We know we know her well now at this point. Dolores Silva partnering with Jolina Amani, former Benfica player, the Dutch midfielder now playing for Sporting Braga. Anrut, another uh, World Cup veteran for Portugal playing in the midfield for Braga. We got the Nigerian Pace Efi and then you have the Canadian Caroline Kerher. And the Portuguese uh, attacking midfielder Carolina Minch, as well as the Brazilian CC. Those are the 11 for, for Sporting Clube do Braga. Benfica's 11, as we said, Lena Powell's in goal, Katrina Madu, the left back, Anacesa Carol Costa, and Lucia Alves uh, on the right side. Like we said, not really playing as a back, but lining up there on the team sheet to start. We have in midfield the debut of Marie Alidou. Bienvenue, Marie Alidou, uh, the Quebecois uh, midfielder from Quebec, Canada, now a Canadian international as well. Joins us from Family Come, if I'm not mistaken, in the offseason. You got Kika playing now in the number 10 jersey, and there's just something so right about seeing Kika Nazare wearing the number 10. Uh, for this side, and Andrea Faria gets the start alongside Anna Gaspar in the middle of the defense with, with uh, Kika and Marie playing more as attacking midfielders, and then the two forwards, Marta Sintra and Nicole Raisla. Okay, the referee for this match was Filipa Cunha, and again, this is a semifinal, so how this works. The champion and the runner-up of the league are joined by the winner and the finalist of the Portuguese Cup from last season. That gave us four teams this year with no no repeats. Nobody, you know, um, need no need to add an, another team because somebody, you know, ha- pulled a double or anything like that. So we had the the champion Befica taking on the finalist of the cup in this semifinal and in the other semifinal. You had the. Cup winner, which was Family Count, taking on Sporting, who are the runners-up of the league. Okay, I get it. It's not what you're used to, like I said, but it makes sense. It gives these teams more competitive matches, which they need. They need more competitive matches. One thing that's holding this league back is there's not enough competitive matches. So, very good to get this here. Okay, we move towards the match now. And uh, Benfica start real fast out of the gate. I mean, it took two minutes for... Marie Alidou to score her first goal in a Benfica kit. That's right. It took two minutes. So Canadian legend Chloe Lacasse leaves. Another Canadian comes in. And within two minutes, this Canadian is on the score sheet. And Benfica take an early lead. 
and watching on television, you're thinking it's going to be, at least I was, this was going to be, you know, a, a fairly routine match. I know it's Braga, and they have been our Achilles heel throughout the, the five years of this program existing. Most of, the, most of our losses domestically have come to Braga. Okay, yes, Sporting is, is the rival, and that's the match everyone gets all excited for. And they've beaten us now too. But who has stopped us from winning trophies in the past has always been Sporting Club de Braga. They, they've beaten us in League Cup finals. They've beaten us in Cup semifinals. They have beaten us in another Cup semifinal, if I'm not mistaken. I know we have run into them a number of times and come up short. We also beat them in a Cup semifinal in our first year as a second division team and then beat them in the Super Cup in our first ever Super Cup when they were the defending first division champion. Sporting Braga is the last team not named Benfica to be the champion of the Liga BPI. So this is a big match and we take an early lead. Lucia Alves goes into the book in the 20th minute here um, for a foul and it gives a penalty kick and CC steps up for a Sporting Club Braga and she converts. It's 1-1. And suddenly control is a little bit shaky and, and Benfica looks a little bit nervous. Um, the goalkeeper in this one, Lena Powells, looked a little bit nervous as well. Uh, she's a young goalkeeper. I think she's 22 years old. I'm going to check on that for you, give you the exact age of Lena Powells here. Uh, but she has played very little football in the past two seasons. So Benfica brought her in very much as a project. And uh, her page is loading up right now as I speak. But she has played, I think, only five or six competitive matches in the last two seasons, which is not ideal. She's 25 years old. Excuse me. Sorry. She's 25 years old. So she's not as young as I thought. But she's at a stage in her career where she needs to, she needs to start playing, obviously. And... Uh, she, again, she comes in, I think she's played six matches in her previous two seasons. So she's a, a backup who has not seen a lot of time, but, but she's very good with the ball at her feet. And that's a very important in our system of play, especially, you know, against the competition we're going to play. We want to play out of the back, having a goalkeeper with, with better feet. And I'm not saying that, that, um, Hoot Kosha does not have you know, reasonably good feet. I, I've been a Hoot Costa guy since the beginning. I, I thought she was an upgrade when she came in. And I, I still think she was an upgrade when she came in, but she, she's not even dressed for this match. I'm not sure if she came back from the World Cup with, with some fatigue or f with an injury. I know she didn't. She was the only player on Portugal's team not to get into the mat into a match, not to get any minutes, that is Hoot Costa, but she could have picked up something in training. Uh, she has. She did not dress in these first two matches, at least, and I'm not sure she dressed. She's dressed at all this season yet, uh, because Carolina Villão is the backup goalie. Yeah, I, I was shocked also that she's still a Benfica player. Um, so we take the lead, like I said, in the second minute. Then we concede a penalty in the 20th minute, and Braga make it 1-1, and then we're unstable, and we fall apart a little bit. We, we lose our concentration a little bit at the back, and this is, again, where I think this feels a lot like a preseason game, and all of a sudden, on a counter, uh, in the in the 25th minute, it is Braga once again, and it is Caroline Kerr that gets on the end of a long one and outruns Benfica's back line and is able to beat Lena Powell's to make it 2-1. And 
suddenly there's a little bit of concern in the camp, and suddenly uh, Benfica's confidence looks a little rocked. Again, first match out of the gate. But if their confidence was rocked, it was going to get rocked again one more time before the halftime whistle as Caroline Kerher, uh, or I'm not sure how you pronounce it, she, she gets herself into a good situation again, plays the ball across, and this is, I remember this, this is a goal that doesn't look good on Lena Powell's. Uh, she drops the ball, and it falls right to Peace Afif, if I'm pronouncing her name wrong. I apologize, but Peace will score. And it is 3-1 Braga going in to the halftime. Uh, team talk and Felipe Patel knows she's got to get her team refocused because uh, this 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 thing ha- has, you know, it's threatening to get away from us here. No substitutions made, though, at halftime from either manager, surprisingly enough. Um, and when I think this is when the controversy spilled out. Okay, so I'm going to address this. I know it's now been about two weeks, and it's not as clear in my memory as it should be. I believe it was Benfica's goalkeeping coach who who did this. But Braga had, long story short, Braga had some players warming up. One of the girls looked to be one of the real, one of the younger players, is running along the sideline, heading to go behind the goal where the warm up area is. Benfica's goalkeeping coach is way out of the coaching, out of the technical area, out of the coaching box. Don't know what he's. He's probably working with somebody that's that's warming up as well. I don't know. But for whatever reason, as she runs by, he sidesteps in front of her and knocks her to the ground, trips her over. Nobody knows what's going on. The club, and I should have done more homework on this. I apologize that I haven't. He was put on suspension, I think, or he was put on an administrative leave, something along those lines. Most at the club want him removed from the club for for this kind of behavior. I struggle to come up with any possible context in which could explain such a thing. I don't know what could have happened. But it, I mention it now because it was Dolores Silva's family who was in the stand that happened to catch this on their on cell phone video. Uh, they were recording something, uh, probably, well, they were recording Dolores playing, I'm sure, but she was out of the frame when I saw it, so I don't know, something was going on, so maybe there was even something that happened before this, but they had their phone, you know, pointed right at it, you could see clear as day what this coach did, and he was suspended, I don't know if he has been expelled, or if he's returned to his duties, or if he's still on suspension, that I don't know, and I apologize for that, I should know that. That is uh, something that I should have uh, done more homework on. But this happened somewhere in this time frame, I believe. But we get the substitution then in the 56th. And it is Dolores coming out. Again, that is what triggered that memory for me. Uh, She's replaced by Maria Miller in the 56th minute. And it takes Maria Miller five minutes to go into the referee's book here as she uh, commits a foul and goes into the book. Benfica make some substitutions here in the... 65th minute, two of them to be exact, or is it three? Three to be exact, excuse me. This is the whole slew. There are a total, I think, of five substitutions here in the 65th minute. It's still three to one, Braga. Benfica's struggling, looking like they're going to lose this first match at home, and they're going to let this trophy get away from them this year. In comes Andrea Norton for Anasaisa. I am surprised with how little of Andrea Norton I have seen in this, in this early part of the season. Um... For me, she's a fundamental player. 
perhaps you know her form is not showing because she also hasn't played that well when she has gone in so i don't know again world cup fatigue you know a little bit of that a lot of traveling to go to new zealand and back perhaps she hasn't react her body hasn't reacted quite as well i don't know perhaps she she picked up an injury perhaps she's just you know coming back into training and and not fit enough right now i don't know exactly but we get to see we get to see andrea norton here in the 65th also in the 65th we get a couple of debuts as Laís Araújo comes on, the former family count player, the Brazilian, replaces Marta Sintra. And another debut at the same time is the former Barcelona crack. I mean, th- this player is a crack in my opinion. Uh, very nearly, very nearly was on that World Cup winning squad for Spain this past summer. Andrea Falcón uh, joining Benfica, of course, as I've said from Club América in the in the Mexican Liga MX Femenil, and uh, she makes her debut here. And th- this player, I think, is somebody that's really going to uh, win over the fan base and really, really going to be instrumental for this team this season. She comes on, replacing Lucia Alves, and then Braga make two of their own substitutions at the same time. They send in Tanya Rodriguez for CC, and they send in Vitoria Almeida, the former family count striker, very tall striker for Catalina Minch, the Portugal international. Moving to the 71st minute, and Braga makes another substitution. Milena Freitas is on for Peace Efif. And um, Benfica start going now. Benfica realize there's still time, there's still a chance, and Kika plays magician here. As uh, she she plays the ball perfectly to Andrea Falcón, and let me tell you, 12 minutes after stepping onto the pitch, the Spaniard Andrea Falcón scores for Benfica, and now it's three to two. And everyone at the Seychelles and everyone watching on TV at this point on Canal Ones could sense, and I think this was also broadcast on BTV, could sense the comeback was coming. Benfica were going to turn this around. And it didn't take long. Four more minutes. This time, they, the roles are reversed. It's Andrea Falcone down the left, crossing the ball perfectly to the back post, where a perfectly timed run from Kika Nazare meets the ball in a perfect location. She gets up over everybody, strikes it beautifully with, with her forehead. Perfect form. And Kika Nazare draws this game level 3-3 in the 81st minute. It is, it is her 59th goal. For Benfica in her career on her 98th appearance. Fantastic, fantastic goal from Kika Nazareth. And now there's nobody doubting that they, that this Benfica team can come back and win this match. And book their spot in the final. Um, they're unable to get it done though in regulation time. Or in, in regular time. Uh, Christy Uchebe comes on in the 84th. Replacing Nicole Raisla as Felipe. I'm, I'm a... This is a this is a move again that kind of baffles me because Christie plays either in midfield or in the back. It's three three, and Nicole is a penalty taker. I uh, again I don't understand professional managers, top level managers who sub off penalty takers six minutes before a penalty shootout. It makes zero sense to me, but that's what happened here. It, Nicole, if perhaps she she picked up a knock and was asking for. For the substitution, that could have been it. Uh, you saw in this match also Ana Gaspar playing in the middle of the park with with Andrea Faria. That was really the midfield pairing, and 
it wasn't quite there. You could tell it was a new partnership, and you could tell that there, there was just some some synchronicities and so, some just movements and nonverbal communication that had not been established between the two. And Benfica ends up uh, taking this. This ends up going to to full time, and it is a three three draw. Bringing on penalty kicks, of course, and in the penalty shootout, my nerves going into it were that Patricia Moraes, on the type of performance she just had, was going to stand on her head in these in these uh, penalties. However, VAR was in use for the first time. That's another change this season. Which I'm not even 100% sure I'm on board with bringing VAR to the Liga BPI when you have a league in which the majority of the teams are still amateur. The, um, I don't know how these teams are supposed to have the conditions and have the facilities to to equip themselves with VAR. But nonetheless, there is VAR this season and VAR was in use in this one. So I was a little less... I was a little relieved, I should say, about the shootout because Patricia Moraj has the the tendency to always leave her line early. We saw that last season uh, in one of the matches. I think it was in a League Cup semifinal last season or in a League Cup final last season where she just, you know, they had to be repeated. One was repeated and the others weren't repeated, but they should have been. Uh, here we have her again, and we've lost penalty shootouts before to, to Braga. We lost, yeah, we lost two League Cup finals, if I'm not mistaken. or Yeah, I believe we lost two League Cup finals in our history to Braga. Um, on One on pens and the other with the inability to get a goal. And here I'm going in and I'm a little bit nervous about it for that reason. However, Lena Powell saves the first one, or the first one misses, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Carol converts her hers. She went first for Portugal. And then Lena Powell comes up with two big saves. And I'm not. Uh, Christy Uchebi scores the winner. She scores the winning penalty. Anyhow, Benfica wins 4 2 on pens here and gets three saves from Lena Powell, which is huge. Or two saves, excuse me. She gets two saves in this one. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But yeah, two saves from Lena Powell here. And. Mefica win 4-2 on pins and advance to the final in Aveiro. Later that afternoon, Sporting would go to Famalicão and beat Fama and book their spot, and we would have the Clásico, the Capital, <laughs> the rivals. Mefica and Sporting in the final in Aveiro. But before that final, we have a couple Champions League matches to talk about. And uh, this was a Final Four format for this Champions League, um, this Champions League preliminary stage. So we enter in what's called the first preliminary round, and we we face it's a Final Four. And this year, Benfica really put in the effort and managed to secure Seychelles as the location for this round. Saving the girls a lot of travel, no doubt, because we have gone to some far-off places in the last couple of seasons for this round. But now we get to do it right at home at the Seychelles, although the pitch looks like it could use a little love. Uh, the goal mouths are both kind of worn and uh, uh, a little disappointing to see that this early in the season, I do have to say, at, at a, a facility like Seychelles. But nonetheless, if you get into play at home, the first match was played on the 6th of September, just a few days later, against Northern Ireland's champion Cliftonville. They traveled all the way to, to Portugal to play this match against Benfica. 
Again, winner would advance to this this qualification final four. Final is what they call it. Really, you advance from the first round to the second round. Um, Benfica come out with with uh, a slightly different eleven. Um, Silvia Rabillo, the captain, gets uh, a rare start, um, and I'm one of those that is confused as to why Silvia Rabillo is still on the team. I have to be honest; she's at an uh, ex- stage of her she's at a stage of her career really really at the end uh she played very few minutes last year but Benfica decides to renew her contract and keep her for another season again monetary amounts are very very uh tight tight lipped uh we don't really know how much anybody's making here I don't even know don't even know when players leave like a Chloe or a Nana Vitoria you assume it's because they can get a much bigger wage where they're going but it doesn't even appear that any type of financial compensation came the club's way Ana Vitoria's contract expired that was different um Chloe had a contract through this season so she she was allowed to leave a year early on her contract and there's no indication to me at least I could be wrong but there's no indication to me at least that the club received any kind of uh, compensation for allowing her to go to Arsenal. And I don't see anything in the way of a transfer fee or anything like that. So um, perhaps there was a small one and it's better to not report it. And that might be the, 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 that may just be the modus operandi of the women's game at this time. There's not really a lot of transparency. And that is frustrating, especially when trying to not just follow the team, but trying to cover the team and trying to talk about these things and explain, you know, why some, Things go the way they do. Why players disappear? Again, we never found out anything about about Leticia leaving three what three seasons ago now, two and a half seasons ago, and showing up and playing for Corinthians like two weeks later. And Benfica got nothing out of it. They just allowed her out of her contract. We 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 know nothing. Um, all we're ever told is that is that this is the way it is in the women's game. And well, to be quite honest with you I don't I don't want to accept that to be quite honest it shouldn't be that way in the women's game if a player leaves if it's le- if a player leaves for personal reasons and the club allows them to leave for personal reasons then the club needs to explain they allowed them to leave for personal reasons okay and I'm going back two and a half years with that one but that's just the one that always comes to mind and now with Chloe everybody understood that she was a player of a much higher caliber than than the league we play in um opportunity to go play in the WSL is obviously you know a one-time potentially one-time life-changing career-changing opportunity she's playing at one of the best clubs in in England at Arsenal so it makes all the sense but it still Benfica needs to have some sort of compensation for that if she still had a year left on her contract in my opinion um whether it's a buyout from the player which I doubt um but again, we don't know the terms of any of these contracts. We don't know how much any kind of wages any of these players are on. And my understanding is transfer transfer fees are very, very low in the women's game when there is a transfer fee. I saw an article where there was a record, and I, I already have forgotten who the player was and what clubs were involved. But the record fee was an incredibly small amount of money. Um, it was it was six it was low six figures in euros. So. It could be that there just isn't any money in selling players and the club figures it can attract players by developing the reputation that it it does allow, you know, players who outgrow the stat, who outgrow the level for which this club can provide. 
and have an opportunity to go to a higher level that they won't stand in the way. Perhaps that's just the way that the 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 politics and the the recruiting works for for the for women's football at the club. I don't know, but anyhow, um, we have a, a Sylvia Rabil still here. And we have, you know, the, the every season, the story of Benfica trying to make an offer to Telmin Carnassal at Maritu. And every season, Telmin Carnassal turns down the offer. Whatever it is, we don't know the amounts, but I can pretty damn near guarantee that whatever Benfica's offering is a lot more than what she's getting at Maritimo. And that tells you that, that her decision has nothing to do with any type of financial um, gain or any financial improvement. She wants to be in Madeira. She wants to be at Maritimo for whatever those reasons are. It's really not our business anyway. It's been made clear that she doesn't want to come to Benfica. So that's, that's you know, a door that should be closed at this time. But again, it's... It is um, frustrating to see a lack of information and a lack of transparency on the women's side of the game. There is no Fabrizio Romano covering the women's game, telling you that so-and-so is moving from team to team or that someone else has been approached by a team. So sometimes you just have to wait for the clubs to announce these things. And um, when the club did announce that Silvio Rebello was coming back for another season, I admit that I was incredibly surprised. Uh, almost as surprised as I was when Francisco Net inclu- included her in the World Cup roster when she had played so few minutes last season. Okay, so she gets the start at center back along with Christy Uchibe. All right, Laís Araujo plays as a left back in this one, ironically. And um, we have, I think Lucy Alves gets the the right back position in this game. I don't remember anymore. But uh, the these are the 11 in whatever position that they played. Lena Powell's, Christy Uchebe, Silvia Rebelo, Laís Araujo, Ana Gaspar. I do remember her playing in the middle of the park alongside Andrea Fria once again. Marie Alidou and Beatriz Nugueira, Bibakaj as many call her, playing um, as the outside midfielders behind the strikers. For this one was Nicole Raisla and Andrea Falcón. And uh, Benfica took a little while to get going. Um, Cliftonville hung in strong for a bit. They uh, they held Benfica off for a little bit, but in the 24th minute, once again, it's the Canadian, it's Marie Alidou, the Quebecois uh, native, the the Quebec native, uh, with her second goal of the season in the 24th minute. Then in the 34th, Rachel Norney of Cliftonville would redirect the ball into her own goal to make it 2-0 to Benfica. And then the floodgates would open two minutes later. Lucia Alves playing in a further uh, forward advanced role, as I said. She was not one of the... I think we went with three in the back in this one, and it was Laís, Silvia, and Christy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Lucia moves up the pitch, and she scores in the 36th minute to make it 3-0. In the 42nd, it is Andrea Falcón scoring again. Her second of the season, her second in a Benfica uniform. She makes it 5-0. And then the breakout story of the match, <laughs> announcing herself to the entire world of Benficistas, if you will. Uh, it is Lara Martins, young Lara Martins, 16 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 16 years old, Lara Martins. And if I'm not mistaken... I could be 100% wrong about this, but I happened to come across the BPI commercial the other day for the that was promoting the world, the women's World Cup, the Elma Menina commercial, right? Where it's a girl, where you know you see um, the story of a female player who 
complete with the dad being disappointed that it's a girl and not a boy and has all this football gear that he had prepared for, for the boy. And it turns out the girl loves football as much as <laughs> as any boy. And over you see in the commercial over the course of her adolescence, him become more and more invested in, in her, her footballing career. And the the main character in the in the commercial becomes a Portugal international at the end of it, and I swear it's Lara Martins. I swear she's the actress in that commercial. I don't know for a fact. Uh, I know in the past it took me three years to realize that the girl in the Mikel uh, Carreira, uh, not Mikel, his brother um, Daniel Carreira video, um, for uh, Vamos Contudo. Uh, the girl in that video was Jessica Silva. It took me three years to put, when I went back and watched it later, that was what, in 2020, two years. It was in 2021 that that video came out. And it was only this past summer when I happened to look at it again that I realized that's Jessica Silva, who's the girl in the video. Um, but this time, I think I think it's Lara Martins. I don't know for sure. But she, anyhow, she comes on at, at halftime here, makes her debut 16 years old. And announces herself to the world with two goals very, very early on. The 49th and in the 55th. The one that made its way around the world that went viral was the Rabona from outside the area. I mean, come on. What a play. And that is not something any coach can teach. Uh, that right there is, again, it's it's... I don't want to put this kind of pressure on it, such a young player, but there's a little bit of Kika in Lada here. A little bit of that street player that, that that's imaginative, that invents, that creates. That That is 100% street ball to, to, to think you can pull off a, a Rabona, gold letra as they say in Portuguese, from the top of the area like that. She doesn't. She does it perfectly into the corner. I mean, Lada Martins... Take a bow, I think was what I was what I uh, tweeted when I when I retweeted the video. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. She ends up being the story of this match. I mean, if you could get some more goals, um, B, uh, Bivakar scores in the 76. Lucy Alves adds another one as well, and this one finishes eight to one. Befica advance. The story of the match, of course, is Lara Martinez's debut and that Rabona. Move forward to the playoff final, if you want to call it the round one final, or you can call it the second round of qualifying, whatever you want to call it. Um, a more usual 11 selected for Filippo Patel in this one, playing against SFK Riga, the champions of Latvia. And again, it's Lena Powell's in goal. Katarina Madu returns to the starting lineup, Karol. And, uh, and Christy are the, the center-back pairing, and... I, we see Laís play as the left back in this one. Um, we see Andrea Norton return to the starting lineup here. She moves into midfield alongside Anna Gaspar and Andrea Faria. Marta Sintra returns to the starting lineup, and so does Andrea Falcone. Falcone excuse me. And um, Benfica gets started really fast. They kind of put this one out of any doubt early. Third minute, it is Kika Nazaré in her 100th, if I'm not mistaken. This was her 100th appearance. Double-checking on that right now. It It's goal number 60 in what is her 100th appearance, I believe. Uh, in the seventh minute, sorry, she scores first in the third minute. And um, then scores again three minutes later. 
four minutes apart to be exact. The third and the seventh minute, two goals from Kika Nazare here. Uh, putting Befica up very early. Another assist for Andrea Falcone on that third minute goal. While Katarina Amado had the assist on the seventh minute goal. Um, Befica keep the foot on the gas. 16th minute, Andrea Falcone gets on the score sheet again. Second goal in as many matches for Benfica. And it is quickly 3-0. 21st minute, and it's Andrea Norton scoring, getting her first of the season. Good to see her come back, and good to see her get on the end of one here. As it is uh, 4-0 now in the 21st minute. Her assist was provided by Anna Gaspar, and the first half ends 4-0. Second half, Nicole Raisla comes on for Andrea Falcon, and Leticia Almeida replaces Andrea Faria as well as Lara Martins getting another run out, replacing Ana Gaspar. And a bunch of subs by Riga here. But if you can total control, just playing this one out, knowing they have the Super Cup final just a few days away. And Benfica, just see out the result, control the match. This one played at the Seychelles. The referee was Katerna Usova of the Ukraine. And uh, Benfica, 4-0 winners, and they advance. So they advance in the UEFA Women's Champions League preliminaries to what they call the playoff round now. And their opponent will be the champion of Cyprus, Apollon Limassol. And they will play that over two legs now. So the this is the final round before getting to the group stage. It'll be played over two legs, like I said. The first of which will be on the 11th of October in Cyprus. Benfica will travel to Limassol to play Apol- Apollon and then the second leg will be a week later on the 18th of October at home at the Seychelles. And, uh, of course, the winner of that two-legged tie will advance to the group stage of the UEFA Women's Champions League. Now, I do not believe, I could be wrong, but from what I understand, the UEFA Women's Champions League will continue to have a group stage after this year. The men are going to the Swiss model. At some point, I think I need to do an up. Uh, <laughs> Do an episode just uh, talking about what that Swiss model is. I'm still trying to learn what it is myself. I'm not a fan of that switch right now. But um, I'll need to educate myself a little bit more on what that really is uh, before I make an ultimate you know, opinion regarding that switch. But from what I understand, the Women's Champions League will remain with a group stage. And next year, Portugal will have a second team in the Champions League. They won't come through the same qualifying path, of course. The champion will go through the champion's path and the second-place team through the league path, just like in the men's game. And in the women's game, the league path is incredibly more difficult. So it's very important to win the league again this year. It's not like Benfica can take a year off and come in second. Because then they're going to run up against the Arsenals, the Paris FCs, the Juventuses, the you know, or the Romas, or whoever comes second in these in third in these big leagues as well. So when you're in the champions path, you avoid the top champions. You avoid the toughest matches in this preliminary stage. So it's important to win the league this year. And um, yeah, that, so if you can keep this momentum going into the Champions League. All right, three down, two to go. Going to take a quick little break here. And come right back, and we'll talk about the cup final against Sporting and then the Liga BPI opener against Torreense. Here on Mr. Benfica, I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. If you haven't already, and if you're new to the show and you're still listening, thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. 
All right, give me a follow there on Twitter. On Instagram, it's at Miss, it's at Mr. Benfica. I shouldn't say at, it's just Mr. Benfica on Instagram. Um, and, of course, you can check out the homepage, www.mrbenfica.com, for more content. I will be right back to break down these last two matches. Welcome to the second half, part two, if you will, of this episode 170, Mr. Benfica, the Mr. Mike Agustinho here with you, and we're talking women's football today, as you know, and now we're talking women's Super Cup final. We fast forward to the 13th of September, we're at the Stadio Municipal da Aveiro, the Aveiro Municipal Stadium in the beautiful city, the Venice of Portugal, as they proudly refer to themselves, and it is a beautiful place. Um, the stadium, not so much. It's been documented already here, uh, some of the issues with the stadium. And uh, people who've been there have told me that they, any day that they, they believe that one of the ends could just start to, to fall because there are pieces falling and it's not the safest stadium in Portugal, yet they continue to put big matches there. But being so far away, it's hard for me to verify that for myself. So I've taken everybody's word for it. But anyhow... It's Benfica versus Sporting Women's Football here. The Cup, or I should say the champion, taking on the runner-up as it turned out this way. Plus, this isn't an invention of the Portuguese Federation either, this Final Four format for the Super Cup. We have seen the Spanish Federation do this with the men's game and take it to Saudi Arabia in the middle of the winter, like the last, I don't know, three or four seasons. We've seen them do the Spanish Super Cup this way. Um, That's probably where the idea originally came from. But anyhow, like I said, it does give these top four teams a few more competitive high-level matches, and I think that is important for the development of the game. Uh, prior to this kickoff, earlier in the day, in front of virtually nobody, this was more rightly criticized uh, at this same venue at the at the municipal stadium of Aveiro. Braga and Famalicão played a Minho Derby in Aveiro, and um, that makes less sense. I get it. It's a third-place game, and a lot of people, again, say, what is the point of a third-place game in a Super Cup? Well, it's to get another competitive match. That's what it's worth. And um, they had played earlier that day. In front of virtually nobody because it was like a noon kickoff on a Wednesday in Aveiro. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about the final. Okay, In front of a very, very strong crowd, a very good number of 10,136 fans in the Aveiro Stadium. I will go on a limb here and say most of which were Benfica fans, the, the pictures on the television set. Uh, they do verify that. I mean, they did their best to show uh, to show Spartan fans as well. But one thing that definitely came through the scenes on TV was the environment of fair play in the crowd as well. A lot of Spartan and Befica fans sitting side by side. A lot of families at this game. And you even see families where mom and dad, each one is wearing a different jersey. And then you got three kids and each one of them is wearing a different jersey. And that's all cool. And, and Portuguese football needs more of that and less of this this uh, environment of warfare that we see in the men's game. I found this final to be incredibly refreshing for the, those reasons. 
Fair play all around. No uh, insulting chants being chanted from one side or the other. Just 10,000 good fans supporting their respective teams. And these 10,000 would be joined by a television audience, people. Now, it's important to state that this this game normally is played on Canalons. And as a subscriber of Canalons, I like that. I prefer that. It's easy for me. I have the app on my iPad. It's very easy to open it and watch it on a decent-sized screen. And, and, you know, I'm a happy customer because of that experience. But, okay, not everybody has it. And this match ended up being played on network television, essentially, being played over the air, terrestrial television in Portugal, on TVI. Okay, I was, you know, I have, uh, like I've said before, I have a VPN, so I'm able to log in and watch it online uh, from here with a Portuguese IP address, and I'm able to watch the broadcast as if I were in Portugal, and I enjoyed the broadcast. Uh, the commentating was, was not great. A lot of people hammering TVI's uh, commentator, Denny, uh, Danny, uh, former Spartan player, no, no surprise there, uh, but... It wasn't as offensive as it's being made out to be. It wasn't good by any means, but I don't think it was offensive. I don't think it was... Um, I just don't think it was very good. I don't think... This is the problem when you put the women's game on the big TV and you don't bring the women's uh, the women's commentators that normally call these games that know these teams. You're, you're, bringing in, uh, you're bringing in people who normally call the men's game and they're less familiar with the teams. And they end up talking about other things, and the, it does affect the broadcast. But anyhow, it was a record TV audience for a women's club football match. It was a Wednesday night, perfect time for television viewing, right? A 7.45 p.m. kickoff time in Portugal, and over 1 million tuned in. In a country of 11 million or a country of 10 million, the number falls somewhere in between. There's practically one-tenth of the country tuned in to watch this match. And uh, some of this is, you know, the the booing um, from the Women's World Cup that was highly popular on television, that did very well, and also buoyed by the very deep loyalties that fans feel to both of these clubs, and that needs to be commended as well. So that was the situation, okay, as far as from a media standpoint. On the pitch, the referee was Silvia Domingos. And uh, I don't want to be just another podcaster sitting in my, you know, in my house on a microphone, throwing bombs at a at a referee who's doing her best. But it was not a good performance from Silvia Domingos. Fortunately, the VAR was there to intervene, and uh, Carolina Kampusch was the referee in the VAR booth for this one. Um, we would have seen a we would have seen a sending off for Andrea Norton. Moments after she came on, if not for the VAR, um, a poor, poor judgment call by uh, Silvia Domingos. We saw a goal called off for Benfica by the VAR, which um, I, I still don't, don't. Maybe it's my fandom, maybe it's uh, wearing red glasses. I don't know, but I really don't uh, see a foul <laughs> against against uh, Carol Costa on Hannah Sievert. Uh, on that play but the referee originally called it a goal or at least I assume she did because there was a celebration it went up on the board and everything and then only then was the ball placed on the ground for a free kick made me think it, it came from the VAR but maybe it didn't maybe it was 
maybe it was uh, Sylvia's call, and then the if that that would make more sense because then the VAR um, shows the slightest of touches uh, against Karol Costa. Very similar to Auschwitz's uh, penalty this past weekend, right or last week, I should say, when um, it showed him with his hand just given the slightest of nudges on the shoulder of the Vizela player. This was very similar. Karol's hand reaches out and just makes the slightest brush up against Siebert's side as she jumps up for the ball. Um, I'm not convinced that it was a foul, but there's enough there on the video to to validate the call on the field if the call on the field was a goal. I don't think there's enough evidence either way to overturn the original decision. That's just my look at it, but uh, the referees may have seen something different. But anyhow, here are the lineups or the 11 for each team. We'll start with Sporting with our rivals, the Leoish. The American Hannah Siebert is the goalkeeper. Anna Borges, I talked about her when I talked about the Portuguese national team a little bit. She uh, st- She's the captain for Sporting starting. Bruno Lorenzo and Andrea Norheim, the two center backs. With uh, with Marisa Correa, Joana Martins, Brenda Perez, Alicia Correa playing as the left back. That's the fourth defender is Alicia Correa. And I tweeted, and I feel like I'm picking on Alicia Correa every time she plays against us. But I don't understand why we don't just run at her every single time. She has never shown to be able to defend uh, to defend Katrina Amado down, down the flank. But it's... Um, it's a wonder to me why she plays as much as she does, and I'm trying to be fair here. And I've seen her in the national team as well, and it just I I don't see what is there. Um, what is there to 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 put her as you know a player that starts and plays so many minutes for a team like Sporting and gets into the national team picture all the time? But anyhow, that is that is uh. The left back for Sporting is Alicia Correa. I said the midfielders there of uh, Maísa Correa, Joana Martins, and Brenda Perez up front. Ana Capita, Diana Silva, and Claudia Neto. Those are the 11 starting for Sporting and for their manager, Mariana Cabral for Benfica. Okay, we send out uh, the following 11. Here's um, Felipe Patón's 11. Lena Powell's again in goal. Fourth consecutive start. Christy Uchebe returns at center back. She's become kind of an option there along with uh, Carol Costa. Laís Araújo gets a start as the as the left back. And Katarina Amado moves back to the right back position. This is a good move. I hope the experimenting is done. The middle of the park, Andrea Faria and Ana Gaspar once again partnering. In front of them, they have Lucia Alves playing as a midfielder. And they have Kika Nazare, of course, playing as a 10, like she wears on her shirt, in between the strikers. And up front in this one, Nicole Raisla, the Brazil international, and the Canadian Mahi Alidu. All right, so those are the 22 players that tick to the pitch. And this was, a, I thought, a really good football match. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm giving Benfica too much credit here. Uh, because I think this team is still a long way from where they can be and where they should be. I think um, very much everything about these games to me says preseason. Um, the mistakes they're making, the the letdowns. However, they are taking care of business. They are 
finishing well enough to to not lose these matches. They're finding a way to not lose this match, these matches, I should say. And it's it's um it does not seem to me like Philippa really has her eleven selected yet. I think there's still a lot of open-ended questions uh, regarding the the eleven and the rotation because the rotation is also part of of managing this team because you have a lot of players and you have to keep them all playing. You have to keep them all at a certain level, uh, especially should this team go on and qualify for the group stage of the Champions League as we all expect them to. They're going to need to rotate players and keep players fresh for those those league matches that fall in between Champions League match days and whatnot. And different matches are going to call for different skill sets, and therefore that's when you know you need to have all of your players at a certain level. And I think part of the 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 frustration right now is the team is a little bit disjointed, not playing to its highest potential, and. You know, we we draw the Barcelonas of the world in a month from now or whenever the the group stage would begin. You know, you can't have this type of this type of breaks in focus, and you can't have this type of um, imbalance in the eleven. So, I know there's a lot of frustration out there among fans that the, that this has not been the start to the season that they wanted. That the team is struggling more than they should against the these domestic uh, opponents, but. There's also plenty of positive there. I think that, I think that Andrea Norton, for example, is going to recover her her level. She's going to get back to what we're used to seeing her at um, very soon. And of course, with Liga BPI matches coming, and I think there's League Cup uh, quarterfinals or something coming soon. There are matches for everybody to get their time and hopefully to to raise their rhythm and raise their level. But I think it's also again. I've said this already tonight, but I think it's a very important thing and a good thing that there's people paying this much attention and saying, hey, something's not right here. There, There's more interest than ever in this team. And I think that there is room for a lot of room for improvement, which also reminds me, Benfica did make a signing just yesterday. So uh I'm gonna try my best to remember that before this uh, before this episode ends. But getting back to this match here against Sporting, okay? Uh, the 22 are on the pitch. We talked about it, and Benfica comes out on the front foot. You know they want they're the better team early on. Sporting's playing a little more of a reserved game, a little more of a conservative game, trying to not. Trying to not, you know, fall behind early. We they saw Benfica uh, get a huge wins against them at times in that last season. You know, we saw two games back to back with if my mind, my memory serves me correctly, a five nil and a four nil, or a four one in back to back games. One for the cup, one for the league cup. Uh, before Sporting did get the better of us in the in the league match in the second half of the season at the Luge that you know spoiled our perfect season in the league of EPI, but uh, the first half was was Benfica's you know in control. We saw two bookings. They both went to Sporting, one to Ana Borges, one to Juana Martins. But at halftime, it's nil nil, and there is concern obviously at that point. Um, not enough for Felipe to make a substitution at halftime, but um, they come out in the second half, and again, it's Benfica looking more likely to score. 
uh, in the 53rd minute, we do get a booking for, again, Silvia Domingues is just not a good referee. That's the only way I can put it. I, I don't want to do it that way. But there's no foul on Andrea Fria when she wins the ball from Ana Capeta. And it ends up going into the referee's book for a yellow card. And it's hard to... Uh, it is hard to justify because it's not even a foul. A minute later, Laís Arouge goes into the book. There's no consistency in the criteria here for cards. Um, a lot goes. This referee misses a lot of calls. Um, just a very, very low level for women's refereeing in Portugal at this time. And the federation needs to... Maybe instead of putting you know all this money into VAR for league matches... Maybe it could go into training referees. VAR is important, but this league has so much else to fix first that I think, I don't know if this is being mandated down from UEFA, I don't know, but these referees need to be better, and they need better quality matches to work. Now, I think the easy thing that we're seeing done around the world is putting women's referees into men's matches, and there's no reason... These referees can't do Liga 3 or Campeonato Portugal matches on the men's side. Um, they'll be very quick for them. They'll have a hard time. That's true, yes. But you're not going to elevate the level of refereeing until you put these referees in those situations. Rather than doing, you know, matches day, week in and week out where the majority of them are played at a slower pace, where there's a lot less to call. Rather than doing that, as we've been doing up till now. And then they get these big matches between the big the big four, as it is in the women's game. There's four teams that are clearly above the rest. And then we'll see what racing power turns into this season. I'm very, very interested in that, in that project and seeing how they do in the first division that season. So there's a chance that we get a fifth, a fifth uh, big team, if you will, um, which is good because it creates, again, more good matches, more competitive matches to, to – watch and you know to raise the level of all the teams and all the players but Silvia Domingos here really needs a lot of work and if she she seems to get the majority of these big matches which tells me she's probably the top rated referee which is a, a bad situation and I'm not trying to to again just beat on this referee I'm I'm giving an honest assessment of what I see and I'm not I'm hardly the only one saying this but I'm trying to offer a solution instead of just beating on the referee and just criticizing the referee. And I think it's if the Liga 3 and the CNP, the Campeonato Portugal Nacional, if those two levels are if those two levels are too quick and if Silvia Domingues can't keep up with that then put her in the Liga Revelação, put the U23, put her her in and others of her level Put her, put them in the in the juniors in the U nineteens, doing doing those level, you know, men's or boys matches, just to get the higher speed, to get the more, uh, the more frequency of fouls, and get used to seeing and calling things. Um, so that when they come back and do the Liga BPI, I think they're better equipped to referee at this level. I don't know, maybe maybe everything I just said is is off is tone deaf and. and and um, maybe it's just 
I hope I'm not coming across as macho in this. I, I, I genuinely want to see the level of refereeing improve. And I think as the other federations are doing, uh, it, the answer, and they're doing it in first, you have women refereeing first division matches in other countries, first division men's matches. And there's no reason that we can't build these referees up to that level in Portugal as well. But it has to be done right. It has to be done carefully. And the problem is in Portugal is the refereeing is the lowest point of of all of the low points in Portuguese football. I think the referees or the refereeing, excuse me, is probably at the lowest. And they're really, I, I mean, there's so much wrong with it that... There's so much wrong with it that I don't know if it's even possible what I'm proposing here. But it's uh, something has to be done here. So we get that. Okay. And again, the card shown to Faria. Um, two minutes later, though, Benfica finally get an opportunity. And it starts with a corner kick. Okay. A corner kick taken by Nicole Raisla. She takes it and she does an Olympico. She hits the ball with her left foot. Bends it perfectly, and it goes into the goal directly. Doesn't touch anybody else. Doesn't touch anybody. It's a direct goal off of the corner kick. It is an Olympico, and the team celebrates it. The announcers acknowledge it. The PA, the speaker, he says, you know, he goes and does his goal, you know, routine. And then they start showing the replay. Now, Sporting's goalie, Anna Siebert, is right away shouting to the referee, pointing to Karol Kosta. Every All the Spartan players are. Um, we see the replay. And if you want to watch this match for yourself, uh, you can definitely do that. It is on YouTube, and I've put the, the link in the show notes. Canal Owens did not broadcast the match live, but they did broadcast it, and they did post it to their YouTube page after the fact. So the link is in the show notes, and you can click there, and you can watch this for yourself. You can skim through it. Uh, the entire match is there. The shootout, the the trophies <laughs> presentation, it's all there. Uh, so I watched this again a little while ago, and I'm even more convinced, or I feel even stronger now that there's no foul on this play than I did when I watched it live. I mean, the amount. Uh, I know it doesn't take much to nudge a goalkeeper when she, he or she is in the air, going for the ball to knock them off balance when they're in the air. I still don't see virtually any force in the almost incidental contact between Carol's hand, the, the fingers really, if you want to be precise, the 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 fingers brushing up against the jersey of Hannah Siebert. But she felt enough obviously to point to the referee, intelligent, knowing that the ball went in, she pointed to the referee, saves herself because she's not saving this this goal regardless, in my opinion. This ball is hit well, and she's positioned poorly, and she is beat. But we come back from watching the replay, and the ball is down for a free kick. And you can see that the goal either was disallowed or was never allowed. We don't know. They don't really confirm this with us. Um, Again, like I said, it would make more sense that she called it a foul originally because if she called it a goal, I don't think the VAR has enough there to overturn it. But again... These referees are having their very first experience with VAR, so I don't know how well they um, how well they do with it, I guess, for lack of a better way to explain it. But the goal is called back, but then just a minute or two later, I mean, it is 
it is moments later. The ball winds up on the feet of Kika Nazareth, and she does a highlight reel of a dribble after receiving it from Katarina Madu. And she beats two she beats two Spartan players, dribbles you know right, but she splits the two defenders, creates enough space for herself down the right center channel inside the penalty area, and then slots the ball calmly into the far post, beating Hannah Siebert. Benfica take the lead, the stadium erupts. Here's what it sounded like on Canal Ons. I'm sorry, this is not in English. I wish I had English language commentary, but this is what it sounded like. And you don't really need to, to understand Portuguese to understand by the, the, the commentator's tone. It's not as exciting as Nino Torres, of course. Nobody beats our friend Nino when it comes to excitement. But um, here is the call on Canal Ons. Here is Kika's goal, as it sounded back when it aired on Canal Ons. <laughs> Magia, 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 the Kika Nazaré. That is what he said. Magic, magic, magic from Kika Nazaré. And uh, Benfica take the lead. And that was my precise reaction at home watching that. I went crazy. I said the same thing. I used the word magic when I when I see Kika on the ball running at defenders, it is magic. And um yeah, there's a lot of hype around this player, but I think it is earned. It is legit. It is accurate. This player is special. And she brings people to the stadium. There's no question about it that a, a big part of the popularity of this team revolves around the popularity of Kika Nazareth. Benfica take the lead here in the 55th minute. And again, like in the Braga match, you're thinking, we're good. We got this. Okay, well, this is Benfica. This is the now three-time champion in a row. Three-peat, back-to-back-to-back. And we're starting the four-peat off the right way, beating our rivals. But um, we get a substitution in the 62nd minute, okay? Uh, or I should say it's uh, each team makes substitutions here. First, Sporting sends on another World Cup veteran, one for another, actually, I should say, an international for an international. Fatima Pinto replaces Ana Capita, and Maria Nijos replaces Juana uh, Martins. I should say it's Mariah Nijos, I think is how you say it. She replaces Juana Martins, and Felipe Patel makes a substitution of her own. In comes Andrea Norton. I've talked about her. She seemed missing so far this season. Uh, and she replaces Andrea Faria. And just moments after coming on, Andrea Norton finds herself in a tough situation here as she is uh, guilty of a foul, although I don't think there was a foul here. Um, she clearly gets the ball, actually, after a loose ball just on the edge of the penalty area. And to my eyes, she gets the ball. Um, the referee, though... Sylvia Domingue, she does pause for a minute. She sees Alicia Correa go down, sees her uh, grabbing her, her ankle or whatever, and delays and then whistles a foul. And this was a really, really bad call from, from Sylvia Domingue. Um, there's, I, I'm sorry, there is no foul there. But it sets up a free kick for Sporting. 
And the free kick is well taken, the direct kick. It comes off of the it comes off of the crossbar. Okay. Um it's set up on the left center channel, just to just off center, maybe almost in line with the goalpost uh to to Benfica's right to Sporting's left. And the ball comes off the bar and bounces back in front of goal. Diana Silva is in an offside position but can't reach the ball and it goes to the player behind her which was uh, Andrea Norheim who you could say she she strikes it but she kind of just runs into the ball I think it hits her shin and goes into the empty goal and Sporting pull a level with 20, with 18 minutes to play in this cup final and it looks like a tough a tough break for Benfica again complete control of the match Really not under much pressure, but then the tide turns just a little bit as Benfica once again gets a little rattled. And then in the 80th minute, it was a dangerous moment. Uh, the ball is cleared. Benfica it starts with Benfica getting a set piece down the left flank. The ball is whipped in. I think it's by Kika. And it gets cleared. And Andrea Norton, remember, who conceded, as unfairly as it was, conceded the foul that led to the tying goal. She's trying to control the ball, takes a bad touch, it gets away from her, and she's forced to foul the Sporting player, who I don't remember at the moment who it was, and I don't have the notes in front of me, but she takes down the Sporting player. However, um, she's not the final defender, not even close. I mean, you had Lucia Alves coming, tracking back at good pace. You had Carol Costa in position uh, just off to the left of where the ball was. But Silvia Domingos, once again, with a poor use of judgment, um, with poor, I, it must have been with poor vision, poor positioning. She didn't see that that Andrea Norton is not the final defender. This was not a clear and obvious scoring opportunity. Not a COGSO is the acronym they use for it. Um, that's my interpretation. I can't see how it is when the player's in their own half of the field as well. This was still in, Bef- in Befica's attacking half. Uh, yes, the Spartan player was going to take a big touch and, and it was going to be off to the races. However, it was definitely not clear and obvious to of a scoring situation. And Andrea was not the final defender. Initially, the referee shows red to Andrea Norton. But after a little bit of a delay, the VAR is called in. And uh, she goes to the monitor, looks at it, comes back. Removes the red card, does the VAR signal with her with her hands, rem- removes the red card, changes it to a yellow. Andrea only gets a yellow, and you can see the relief on her face, almost tears of relief come down as she had thought she'd put her team down a player here with 10 minutes to go in, uh, in, in the regular 90-minute time. And instead, it is just a yellow, and Befica remain with 11 and just moments later, a fantastic save. Uh, Fatima Dutra. No, sorry, it was not Fatima Dutra. It was um, Claudia Net, who had a ball going into the upper corner, the upper right-hand corner of Lena Paulus's goal. But Lena goes flying, absolutely flying, gets her left hand up. Sorry, her right hand up, her 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 upper hand, and reaches up there and and palms the ball out of the goal, no doubt saving the tie for Benfica, saving the night because had they gone behind two to one, there it would be very hard to see Benfica coming back in the last final moments. 
Uh, a few more substitutions on the 90th minute uh, with extra time in mind, obviously. Fatima Dutra came in for Claudia Neto for Sporting. And Jacinta Gala replaced Alicia Correa for Benfica. Marta Sintra comes on. Lucia Alves comes off. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of this change, but I think penalty shots um, were already on Felipe Paton's mind and as both teams were gassed at this point. And Benfica played... A lot more games than Sporting at this point in the in the season. This was Benfica's fourth match. Spart- only Sporting's second match in the same amount of time, roughly. So it looked like they were they were preparing for it. But then the next substitution makes me think that Filippo's not thinking. Or again, uh, Nicole must have been carrying a knock. Or maybe Nicole has asked not to be included in penalty shootouts because, again, she is subbed off at the very end of the match. She comes off in the 91st minute. Leticia Almeida replaces her, and we move to extra time. And, again, two tired teams going at it. Not much to really break down as it it's just um, basically both teams buying their time for uh, penalty kicks. I think in competitions like this, at the beginning of the season, they should go straight to penalty kicks. Uh, the There's no reason for extra time in in September in the beginning of the season uh, when the two teams are clearly in preseason mode. You can call it an official match all you want, but it it has the look and the feel at times of a preseason match. Although this game was played very competitively, um, it, it did feel like a final at the same time, but you could see that by the extra time, both teams were completely spent. Um Mariana Cabral sends in Andrea Bravo for Diana Silva. And again, you see the players that you assume would be penalty takers are all coming off, maybe just not fit enough to continue. But uh, Fatima Dutra sees a yellow card in the 114th minute. Not much to to play there. The the match plays out. Both teams see it out. Um, Again, two teams with, with some exhaustion. And we go two penalty kicks. And I actually watched this shootout a little while ago, so uh, I I rewatched it, I should say, so that I have my uh, I have my kickers, my makers, and my missers here. So after the flip, uh, Sporting wins the toss and elects to go first, sixty percent or so of the time. That means the team that goes first tends to win, uh, and they send the goal scorer Andrea Norheim, the Norwegian, to the spot first. Lena Paulus is very confident in goal, but on the first one, Lena does guess wrong. Lena dives to her right, and Norheim shoots to the goalkeeper's left, to the goal, to the kicker's right, but she misses wide. She misses the net completely, and uh, you can hear the cheers from the Benfica fans immediately because our first kicker will be the captain. Carol Costa, and she uh, is our normal penalty taker and has taken penalties now and some really high-pressure ones, especially in the last 12 months. She she took the penalty kick that led and landed, I should say, Portugal into the Women's World Cup when they played Cameroon in that last playoff match. She took the penalty kick in stoppage time that sealed the victory. She steps up here. Against her national team, no, sorry, not against her national team teammate, against her former team is what I meant to say, uh, Sporting, and against Hannah Siebert. And Siebert goes one way, the, the shot goes the other. Cuddle shoots into the le- into the keeper's left hand, no, into her left-hand corner, excuse me, the keeper's right. Ball goes to the keeper's right, the goalie goes, the keeper goes left, 
the keeper goes left, the, the shooter goes right, and Carol Costa scores Benfica lead after one kick. Up next for Sporting is Fatima Dutra, the substitute. And the Brazilian is fairly known for being a good penalty kicker. And she steps up. But on this one, Lena guesses correctly. Yes, Lena Powell's guesses correctly. Lena goes to her left. So does the ball. She puts her, her paws out and saves it fantastically. Textbook save. And Sporting is worried now because they have missed their first two kicks, just like Braga missed their first two kicks in the semifinal. Up steps Marta Sintra. She had converted in the previous game, and she converts again, and she goes straight up the middle while Hannah Siebert dives to her left. 2-0 uh, after two shots. Fatima Pinto, the Portugal international, is next for Sporting with all the pressure in the world, knowing she has to score. Uh, once again, she decides to go to the same side. This is interesting. She decides to go to the same side that Dutra went to and gets the same result as Lena Paulus will guess correctly again and save correctly again. And now it comes down to Laís Araújo to score. If she scores hers, Benfica will win this this penalty shootout 3-0. to nil. And that is exactly what she does, sending Siebert the wrong way. Benfica win the Women's Super Cup on penalties. 3-0 on penalties. 1-1 on the night. And it is the third third Super Cup coming to the Museum Cosme Damião at the Stadio de Luz. And I have a little bit of audio here from the celebrations. Now, a lot of people notice TVI went off the air or went, didn't go off the air. They cut straight to the evening news and didn't come back to show the trophy presentation. If you watch the video that I put the link to in the show notes to this episode, there, there in that video, you can scroll to the end and see the trophy presentation if you'd like to. And um, here's, here's, uh, this is first. We're going to hear from Christy Uchebe here about uh, what it means to win another trophy for Benfica. Here's Christy. A difficult game. Um, Benfica won in the penalties uh, and um, win the cup. Yeah, it was a very difficult game and a very competitive one at one at that. Um, the team is a good team and um, we did. Um, we did a great job. Um, we, we scored twice. They cancelled one and they equalised. And we kept going. The team spirit, we keep going. And I'm going to say, our goalkeeper, Elena, she's the best. For me, she's the man of the game. She made everyone proud. I'm happy we won the cup. And this is too many more. We are Benfica. Chris, a great game from uh, Lena Powell's uh, two penalties, two, two penalty saves uh, in the decisive mo moment of the game. Sorry, come again. Lena Powell's uh, defend two penalties uh, and was decisive too to the to the to the Benfica's win. Yeah, it was a great one. She well, she saved two goals. It was a great one for us. She helped the team. She motivated the team, and I think it was a good one for us. Also, she helped us. With the courage and she helped us, so I think it's a good one. Chris, just to finish, uh, a great uh, supporters, great supporters here, um, always with the team, and now you are you are celebrating with them, with them. Obrigada, Benficistas. Muito parabéns. Vamos Benfica. Benfica for life. Let's go. 
And you heard Christy there talk about the goalkeeper, Lena Powell, saying she's the best. Well, Kika Nazare also agreed that Lena was the best as um, a real nice moment that was shared on social media. I shared it on my on my Instagram, I think. Uh, it was in my stories last week, and it was Kika taking her MVP trophy that she was given at the end of the match, going over to Lena Powell's. Lena was a little bit confused as to what she was doing. I don't know that this is this is something we see in Portuguese football nowadays. We've seen a lot of players, especially in the Champions League. Um, for example, we saw Rafa giving his Champions League Man of the Match award to uh, Gonzalo Ramos last season, and here we see we see Kika go up to Lena and just say to her and say, "This is yours. It's yours. Congratulations!" And and Lena is very uh, confused at first, and maybe it's a little bit of, of a language barrier. But then she says, "I," she says, "I'm giving this to you in English. It's yours." And then Lena understands, and says, "Oh!" And you could see the shared joy and appreciation in her face for for you know being recognized for her her performance in this one, especially in the penalty kicks. So let's hear from Lena then. Let's hear from the goalkeeper, the the MVP, according to Kika Nazare, and according to me as well. Uh, let's hear what it's like for her here in her early days at Befica. in the penalties. Uh, I was happy when we had penalties because I knew against Braga I saved two and I felt comfortable. And so, yeah, I saved two again. And we are happy that we win the trophy and bring it to Benfica. What is the sensation after winning your first trophy with the Benfica shirt? It feels very good and yeah, I hope we will win many more and the feeling is great and the team is great. So we have to continue work and then hopefully we have another trophy. Just to finish, what about the supporters here around you? It was crazy. It was my first time in front of so many people and the Benfica fans are amazing. It was very loud. My... And you heard there from the ex-Werder Bremen goalkeeper, the ex-Germany Youth International, and how blown away she is by the sheer size of Benfica Nation and the support that comes for you when you wear the Benfica jersey. Uh, again, a very, very strong 10,000-plus in the stadium that night. Many of them wearing the red of Benfica. And um, very good to to hear a player who just arrived be so excited to be here and be so happy to be here. Um, and it's great to hear her teammates already hold her in such high regard. Uh, I'm excited about where we can go with her in goal. It's going to be exciting to see as the season goes on. Okay. One last soundbite here for you. This is from none other than the number 10. This is Kika Nazare. It's going to require me to translate for you after. But here, have a listen to Kika's uh, comments to on BTV after the match during the celebration.
So to paraphrase there for Kika, she said she plays football the way she approaches life, and that's not to think, which is kind of funny. She says maybe she should think more in life, but in, in the football pitch, it helps her. It's what comes to her head in the that fraction of a second before the ball arrives at her feet. Talking about the goal she scored, of course, and the brilliant dribbling and how she managed to beat a couple of defenders and then slide the ball into the far post, putting Befica ahead. And she said the goal was work of the entire entire team, of the entire collective. And uh, just another another great performance from Kika Nazarea. Okay, uh, let's close the book then on the Super Cup as this episode is going longer than expected. And I feel like I say that in every episode. But here we go. Uh, one match left to talk about. It's the opener of the Liga BPI 2023-2024. The champion Benfica starting on the road in beautiful just north of Lisbon, uh, right where the Lisbon district meets the Leiria district, the last municipality before the Lisbon district becomes the Leiria district. It is Tuchus Vedras, and it is um, a bit reinforced Torreens taking on Benfica. Let's look at the 11 for uh, both teams, starting with uh, with Torreens, and there are a couple of there's a couple of familiar names in this team. The goalkeeper is the Brazilian and Jani across the back. You got Rafaelo Rufino and then Carolina Correa on loan from Benfica. Uh, she's getting the start here for Torreense. This is a great loan move for her. She needs minutes last year. She played very, very little uh, at Benfica. And um, I'm excited to see how she evolves and develops this season at Torreense. I think this is a great move for her. Um, also, the American Ellie Walker will partner with her across the back. Katarina Pereira as well in the back line. Moving up the pitch, Gianina Overmer, um, the Brazilian, uh, is is a starter for Torreense along with a couple Portuguese players. Samara Lino, Magari da Souza, and Maria Freira. The captain is Rafa Sudre, and she partners up front with former Benfica player Lara Pintasilu. Uh, Lara left the club on a free this well I think they're always they always seem to leave on a free but she left the club this summer after being you know having very little playing time in two seasons as part of Benfica also on the bench worth noting former Benfica uh, player Jassi Vasconcelos uh, would be a substitute used in the 89th minute for Torreense for Benfica Lena Powell's still the starting goalkeeper. She gets to start all five matches here in this phase of the season. Katarina Madu, Ana Saisa, Carol Costa, Lucia Alves. We're back to our normal back four here. Uh, Andrea Norton, Andrea Faria, and Christy Uchebe in the center of the park. And Laís Araujo, Nicole Raísla, and Kika Nazaré, the trio up front in this one. And it would be... A good start for Benfica as they come out on the front foot wearing the black kits in this match. Uh, the Dare I say, very, very beautiful black kits. Um, I have a story, but it'll have to wait for another episode about these kits. I ordered one of these. I'll have to tell you what happened to it. Um, anyway, uh, it is in the 17th minute. It is Lucia Alves with the goal getting forward, and she scores her second of the season already. Um, as she... Uh, she gets forward, gets on the end of a ball, and finds it into the back of the goal. But if you could take a lead early, moving on, uh, we look at it, and Benfica still in control. You know, Torreense, not a bad team, 
but uh, overmatched a little bit. But again, a very good performance at the back for Carolina Correa for Puerto Rican. So I was excited to see that. I was happy to see that. And then in the 44th minute, Lucia Alves, this time uh, goal scorer, turned uh, turned provider as she assists Carol Costa. And the center back gets her first goal of the season. And uh, it is now 2-0, at least her first league goal of the season. It's 2-0 to Benfica. Great, great uh, assist from Lucia Alves. She has a phenomenal first half. But then just before halftime in the 45th plus 4, the referee who in this match was Tanya Patron, would point to the spot and the 1,000, uh, 1,314 in attendance, those uh, pulling for the home side would be excited to see Torreyens get a penalty kick. And this was the highest attended match, I think, of the Torreyens women's team's history. Now, of course, plenty of Benficistas in the crowd, but still the game is growing and I'm happy about that. I'm excited about that. Up steps our former player, Lara Pintasilu, and she scores her first of the season, sending Lena Powell's the wrong way, and it's 2-1 to one going into halftime. In the second half, Benfica come out controlling the game again, back under control. However, Anasaisa will see a yellow card in the 51st minute, while Christy Uchebe will see one in the 55th minute, and we get some substitutions then in the 65th. Uh, Philippa Paton with a triple change in the 65th. On comes Maria Lidou for Andrea Norton. On comes Andrea Falcão for Katrina Amado. And Lara Martins, the teenage phenom, comes on for Nicole Reisla. And Kika's shown a yellow card a few moments later, or about 10 minutes later, I should say. Um, Torrinas with a couple substitutions. 79th, they send in Maria Malta for Lara Pantasilu. And in the 89th, they send in Barbara Lopes for Maria uh, Ferreira. The 90th, our, like we said, 89th, our former player Jassi Vasconcelos comes on to get a run out, replacing Gianina Oweimer. And in the 90th, Minute on on ninety minutes, it is Marie Alidou getting it, and guess who gets the assist? None other than the number ten, none other than Kika Nazare. She sets up Marie Alidou, and Befica make it three to one, and that is where this one will finish. We do get a substitution as Kika gets subbed off to give her a standing ovation. On comes Ana Gaspar, who wasn't used in this one. And the referee, Tanya Patron, whistles for the end of the match at the 90th plus 4. Torrens 1, Benfica 3. Three points for Benfica in this round 1. Let's go around the Liga BPI. Let's go around the one round 1 results and see how it went for everybody else. It got started on the 16th of September. And we had Demayens playing Racing Power FC. I talked about Racing Power, and I'm curious as to how they're going to do this season. They invested very heavily last season in the second division to get themselves promoted. A couple of former Befica players in that squad, but they don't start the season off on the right foot as Demayens last season's sensation, last season's revelation team, if you will, the surprise. They're at it again. Demayens 3 Racing Power 2, also on the 16th, which was Saturday. Uh, Athletic Audience hosting Club Albergeria. And this one would go 2-1 to one in favor of the home side in Orain. And, and they would pick up their first three points of 
season. We move to Sunday's matches, and it starts with an uh, an upset. It starts on the island uh, of Madeira, of course. It is Maritimu hosting uh, hosting Famalicão, team that last year last year's cup winners who have had a tough start to the season, losing to Sporting in the Super Cup semifinals. Well, they start the Liga BPI in the same fashion as they are beaten 2-1 to one in Madeira by Maritimo. Three big points for Maritimo, a team who that last year nearly was relegated. They uh, they get a goal from Telma Incarnação in this match, and they also get a goal from Erika Costa as Famalicão's goal comes from the Albanian Cristina Maksuti. But it finishes two to one in favor of the Madeira side, and it is three points to Maritimo Sporting Braga, the cup winners or the cup finalists, I should say, start their season off with three points. Much needed three points for them, winning at home two nil over Valadares Gaia at the Primeiro de Maio, and they got their goals in this one from the the Canadian Caroline Kerher and the Brazilian CC. 2-0 is your final for Braga. And again, Torreyens 1, Benfica 3. And then in the most lopsided result of the weekend in dream start for the Leoish, it is Sporting at home at Alcuchit winning 8-0 over Lank Vila Verdense. And it looks like it could be a tough season for Lank Vila Verdense this season. Um, Sporting getting goals from Fatima Pinto, Mayera Nihuez. I, I messed her name up again. I think it's Nihaus is how you say it. Uh, two for her. Brenda Perez, all, Olivia Smith, Maisa Correa with three. A hat-trick for Maisa Correa as Sporting put eight on the side from Minu. And that brings us to the table. Sporting lead after one round with three points. But we got six teams with three points. Benfica right now second on goal difference. But it's Sporting, Benfica, Braga, Damayens, Maritimo, and Athletic Oriens. All with three points. The rest of the teams with zero points. No draws in round one of Liga BPI. And then in the goal scoring race, uh, the top three right now are as follows. Maisa Correa of Sporting with two, with three Mayara Newhouse of Sporting with two. And Lorena Santana of Athletic Oriens with two. Most assists right now belongs to Anatelj, who has two as well, Anatelj of Sporting. That is it. Lastly, uh, match day two's uh, fixture list. Match day two will take place uh, between the 30th of September and the 2nd of October. Uh, the league resumes on the 9th, uh, oh, sorry, on the 30th of September. Valadares Gaia hosting Sporting and Lank Vila Verdense hosting Torres the next day. Club Albergaria hosting the Mayans, Benfica hosting Maritimo and Famalicão hosting Atlético Ori- Oriens while in the Sunday fixture on the 2nd of October. Racing Power will host Sporting Club de Braga. Thank you for hanging with me this long. Thank you for listening. It's always a joy to talk about Benfica's women's team, and I look forward to doing it again very, very soon. Uh, Coming your way now, uh, the rest of the weekend, I've got another episode. I will be doing a recap of Benfica's Champions League match against RB RB Salzburg this past weekend, um, or this past week, I should say, midweek. My plan is to record that on Saturday. By the time you listen to this, hopefully I'll have recorded it already. 
Um, we'll, I will talk about that and have it done before Sunday's match against Portimonense on Sunday afternoon. And then, of course, next week we have the Clásico. So uh, stay tuned to the channel. Liga 3 English will return next week. Uh, I can't fit it in this weekend. Plus, it is a cup weekend, so there is no Liga 3 matches this weekend. So um, I will get that. That's on my tentatively penciled in for Monday right now, uh, ho hoping to get that done and then um, go from there with that. Also, my latest videos are up on the YouTube channel, on the PTB Media Network YouTube channel. If you just search Parking the Bus on YouTube, uh, it should come up. I'm in the process of changing the name of the YouTube channel, but I've got the links to the videos in the show notes, all right? I've got the link to my channel in the show notes. Um, I got two new travel videos, football, you know, football traveling videos there for your enjoyment. So check it out if you have a moment. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like, like button on the videos. And I've got a ton more coming. I'm working on so many different projects right now. Hope to uh, catch up on that very, very soon. Okay, uh, that's where I'm going to leave it for this episode. I'll be back really soon with more content for you. Until then, this is the Mr. Mike Agustinio signing off. And cheer up. Uba Fika Ganyo. This women's team is in uh, is in a good place. I think it's going to be another fun season watching these girls play. Um, a number of them played in or playing in the national team during this international break. So uh, hopefully they all come back healthy. That's really what I want most. And until then, um, enjoy the show and enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football you're going to watch this weekend. I know I'm going to watch plenty. And I look forward to talking to you again here on Mr. Benfica. Carrega Benfica. Força Benfica. Remember, hashtag, if you love football, you love Benfica. And I'll send you away with the UEFA Women's Champions League anthem. I love this piece of music. And we talked Champions League, so this is technically a Champions League episode, even though it's the prelims. So uh, enjoy, the, enjoy this on the way out. Peace, everybody.